Hello everyone, welcome back to the Manic Manor Podcast. This is Mitchie. For today's episode, we are going to be talking about the last princess of Korea. Now, the history of Korea is filled with a lot of tragedy, especially when it comes to the royal family. They were no exception. But today we're going to focus on the very last princess of Korea. Her name was Yi Dokye, or Princess Dokye. She was born May 25th, 1912, in the Chandok Palace to the then 60-year-old King Gojong. And Gojong, for anybody who does not know, was the last king of the Joseon dynasty and the first emperor of the short-lived Korean Empire. Her mother was Yang Gwen, who would later be known as Lady Bokmyong. Now, her mother was not of a high ranking of any sorts. Uh, she worked in the kitchen in Doksugung Palace. Gojong at the time had around 16 children with 10 other women, so he was keeping it very busy. But what made Dokke special to him was she was technically the first daughter, as all the daughters that he had before her had all died before the age of one. Dokke, at the time of her birth, was living in Korea as it was under Japanese rule, with Japan annexing Korea two years prior in 1910. Now, despite Japan taking over, they still allowed the royal family to sit as a more figurehead in the sense of the name, but they didn't really have true power. Japan had promised the family all this comfort and security for the time being. But it shouldn't be believed that the royal family had it easy, even though they were sitting under the quote-unquote lap of luxury, because there were still horrific acts being performed by Japan towards Korea, including towards the royal family. But circling back to the princess in her infant years, she was not given a formal name or a title until she was five years old. A lot of this had to do with the fact that, one, her mother was not of a noble status, so Japan, ruling over Korea at the time, didn't acknowledge her existence, and they were not kind towards her whatsoever. But Gojong was an absolute girl dad when it came to this child, and he would beg and beg until they finally relented and she was given a name and a title around 1917. It was around this time as well that Gojong ended up establishing the Doksu Palace Kindergarten in Jochodong. This was mainly done as a way to prevent his daughter from being shipped off to Japan at an early age, such as her elder brothers had been. Now, in her youth, Gojong was extremely worried about Japan getting their grasp on little Tokye for the political reasons and had initially tried also to arrange a marriage for her in childhood to uh, the nephew of Kim Hwang Jin. This was a court chamberlain in 1919. And he hoped by doing so, this would protect Tokye from being shipped off to Japan or having intervention by Japan. But unfortunately, this would fall through. Japan found out about it, or the governing officials found out about it, and ended up banning Kim Hongjin from ever coming back to Doksu Palace. And unfortunately, not too long after this initial event, Gojong would end up dying on January 21st, 1919. Now, there were a lot of rumors that circulated about this death. He seemed to have been in good health beforehand. So a lot of speculation was that the Japanese had poisoned him for trying to meddle in with their plans. But there isn't anything to really back this up, actually. Now, Dokye is still a young child at this point. She was attending the 
Filipino Day Elementary School in Seoul, but around 1925, she would meet the same fate as her brothers and would be taken to Japan under the pretense to continue her education. Like her brothers before her, she would be attending the Gakushuen School. This was largely done as a way to prevent any form of uprising in Korea and to convince the people that Japan was doing, quote-unquote, the best for their little brother country. While she was at the school, she was taught, quote-unquote, cultural education and more feminine-based tasks such as sewing. She would be there until about 1930 when her mother would unfortunately pass away. Now, Japan did allow her to return for the funeral, but she was not permitted to wear the traditional funeral wear, and this was known to have caused a great deal of stress on the young princess. With her being at a very young age, and now her mother and father have passed away, they started to see early signs of mental illness in this young girl. She had bouts of sleepwalking, and this led to a diagnosis of precocious dementia, or what is now known as schizophrenia. As a result, she ended up being moved in with her brother, Crown Prince Un, to King Yi's palace. He had been residing there, and she pretty much just needed a place to go to stay and recover. She ended up showing a little bit of improvement within a year, and it's thought that her upbringing had to be a factor for the condition. Now, Japan, despite knowing of her condition, wanted to marry her off to a Japanese noble under the guise of uniting Korea and Japan as soon as possible. It was wildly believed to be another tactic to keep Korea under the rule of Japan's thumb, but they, like I said, said that it was supposed to be a unification of the two countries. Now, after a matchmaking thing that was done in 1931 by Empress Taimei, the Emperor of Japan declared a union of Tokye and Count So Takeyuki. This was done much to the protest of her brother Un, and he managed to get it postponed for a little bit of time, but the union was going to end up being inevitable no matter what. Now, the reason for the union with Takeyuki was because his family had reigned over the island of Tsushima, located off the western coast of Japan's central Honshu Island, and they had been doing that for centuries. This was thought to be a crucial role between Korea and Japan because of the location of the island. Now, in May 8th of 1931, that's when the wedding took place. After this, it was said that Tokyo's mental health began to rapidly deteriorate again. Despite this, it was stated that her husband was a very doting and loving man to her, and the two quickly welcomed a daughter the following year in August of 32, either known by the name of Masai or Jonghae in Korean. But even with the birth of a daughter, it still didn't stop the mental health issues in the young princess. The following year, in 1933, more issues began to surface with her mental health, and she was in and out of various mental clinics and hospitals. Years of her life would be spent going in and out of these facilities, even through the Second World War. It was very secretive, the nature of what was going on with her, but that was kind of to be expected at the time, considering that mental health was not a topic that was very much talked about. It was said, though, that it did take a toll on the finances of the couple, because Takayuki was the sole provider, and of course it was a time of war as well. But, nonetheless, it was still said that her husband held a lot of affection towards her. He would write her poems, write her letters, 
history would have it that he did what he could to help and support his wife and daughter. But of course, the marriage would not last. Coming to the end of the war, Japan's imperial government was failing and falling and the union would cease. In 1953, the couple would officially divorce. Three years later, their daughter would disappear from home, leaving behind a note that heavily resembled a suicide note. After this devastating loss and not knowing what actually happened to their daughter, Takeyuki ended up moving to Kashiwa in the Chiba Prefecture and remarrying and had three more children. Dokie ended up spiraling into a depression and was essentially left forgotten from her home country and the country that took her captive in a mental asylum, and it seemed like she would be left there to rot. Many years went by. She wouldn't see her home country until the aftermath of the Korean War. Former President Sigmund Rhee seemed to be rather paranoid at the time that the old royal family coming back could attempt uh, to cause political chaos under his rule. So any member of the royal family pretty much was essentially banned from coming back to Korea if they were outside of Korea. Now, initially, Tokei's return to Korea was opposed because of that, and it wouldn't be until 1962 when a reporter by the name of Kim Utan would locate the princess and somehow convince the government to allow her to return back to her homeland. And at this point, she is now an elderly woman, and it was stated that when she saw her homeland, she cried upon seeing it. And even though her mental state had completely deteriorated by this point, she still was able to remember royal etiquette and protocol. She reunited with old friends and family that was still around, and in 1968, she would return to Chunduk Palace with surviving members of the royal family. Now, periodically, she would be admitted into the hospital due to her mental state. And at one point, um, Sotaki Yuki did attempt to visit her, it was said, but of course her family rejected it. Now, the reasoning that her family would reject this was the possibility it could make her condition worse, and they didn't want her to suffer any more than what she had already gone through. The remainder of her days was spent living in Chanduk Palace before passing away April 21st, 1989. She would be buried in Yamyangju with her father and her half-brother Sunjong. And that concludes the tale of Korea's Last Princess. So I thank you guys for tuning in to this episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. If there's any other information that you would like to include or like to expand upon, please feel free to let me know. You can reach out to me at manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or Instagram at manicmanorpodcast. I hope you guys will have an amazing week, and until the next time, see you then.